put him in the aisle. It's a shotgun snap. Final play of the game. Ron waiting for the wideouts to get downfield. Launches the throw down toward the goal line. Going up. Ball tipped in the air. Touchdown. Jordan Westerkamp. Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest. Back to throw is Martinez. Now being chased, throws it out. A flat Burkhead makes a catch. Sits a tackle. 25 20, 15 10, 5. Rex Burkhead. Touchdown, Nebraska. All right, welcome to Church of the Corn tonight, everybody. Or today, or whenever you're hearing this. Uh, it's just me. I'm riding solo today. Uh, Zach here. Uh, Drake's got the wedding stuff going on, so good luck with that because. Uh, as we all know, that's a headache. So have fun with that, Drake. Um, I think that's coming up in the next week or two as well. So looking forward to that in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get some good pictures there. Um, but let's go ahead and get rolling. Um, you know, I was cutting the grass today, and I remember uh, Jim in Minnesota on Twitter uh, shared this link for Matt Rule on the College Football Daily with Brandon Marcello. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to listen to it because it had a lot uh, about the, the rebuild in Nebraska, rules, concepts, kind of how he wants to build this team. Um, one of the big components is building through high school and not necessarily building through the transfer portal. More supplementing what you've already got on the roster, which is which is what Nebraska's needed, honestly. They've needed to develop the talent on on roster and i know that's not a surprise to anyone that's that's been a a fan of this team the last we'll say 20 years or so but the uh, ability to see a guy and kind of envision in the program where he fits now a guy may come in on the offensive side of the ball and then trend and then transition over to defense kind of like what we're seeing with aj rollins right now I believe uh, Hassan Reddick um, previously had had a, a similar transition as well um, back when Rule was at Temple. So, you know, he he's able to kind of have a that that eye of identifying talent and then giving different ways to essentially maximize that talent in the scheme and different things like that. So it's going to be fun to watch um, and, and see kind of what they can do, you know, I'm going to get into this a little bit later on Matt Rule meshing his scheme with what he's got on roster and different things like that. But, you know, I, I caught the podcast once again. Um, it was a great interview with Coach Rule. Honestly, it's it's what Nebraska has been lacking the last few years, at least at, on service level. You know, Coach Rule mentions talking about guys hitting height, weight, and speed profiles, which we've heard about that under um, – most organizations and and um, while height, weight, and speed profiles are really important to this to the staff, also the ability to be malleable, to be coached, and uh, the uh, ability to be flexible in, in where you come in and if there's a spot open, just like once again Rollins did um, in the off season, playing a different side of the ball, you know, it, it could get you on the field and Hey, if, if it can get you to the next level at the end of the day, isn't what you're 
playing football for is to do it at a professional level. So this staff has kind of had a um, track record of it, at least Coach Rule has, at, at a pretty high level. Um, you know, if if these schools, the height, weight, speed requirement, like I said, that's a requirement at every school because if you didn't have that, essentially you'd have coaches just sitting around for 20 hours a day watching film and making no headway just because there are so many athletes out there and you've got to have a minimum to at least narrow it down toward toward guys that you feel can, you know, fit your scheme and what you want to do to be successful. Right now, Nebraska is not at the level of an Alabama or anything like that, and I don't think any of us are confusing them for it, especially on the development side. But talent-wise, they're able to get dudes on Ross or on, on campus um, and high-level guys at least interested in the program as of right now. But um, it does seem like Nebraska is going to take a huge emphasis on speed, which – Really, be, really shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, you know, in the, in the previous class, they, they just literally signed three or four guys that have world-class speed, which, which is impressive that they were able to find these raw guys. And in Malachi Coleman's case, a highly touted guy that's really blown up in the last year or so. But a guy that's six foot five, 210 pounds, it runs a four, three, six electronically timed. They don't just fall out of trees. So, um, it makes sense with what they're doing on staff here by trying to just get super athletic guys on campus and in the system and then just kind of letting things develop as they do. I know there's a reason why a lot of coaches, especially in high school, will encourage their athletes to do track and field or wrestling, depending on the position of the players, um, you know, in the offseason, just to kind of keep that, that athleticism going and to develop new techniques. I mean, it's huge for keeping guys – where you want them, essentially. You want them to be, I don't want to say peaking all year, but you want your guys to constantly be developing, even if it's not during fo the football season, but just as all-around athletes. So another thing that Coach Rule brought up, um, he explains his previous college stops, and, you know, it really made me realize that this job is not too big for him. And, you know, we've seen the record. He's barely above 500 as a head coach in college. But let me – I want to give some context to this. Now, I can't explain it away the record because the record is what it is. But let me give some context what he's done as a head coach uh, in some pretty some pretty neglected spots uh, for the most part. You know, we've seen Temple and you see Baylor on his resume. But looking further into it, as he explained on the podcast, he gave, he gives very good context as well. Um, and let's not let's not you know sugarcoat it. Both places he took over were rebuilds. Uh, you know, Temple was a program that was moving from the MAC conference, which is a group of five, to the Big East, to an AAC team. So in three seasons, they saw three different conferences. It's not easy to. Number one, have your guys, uh, you know, going from a group of five to a power five conference. That's not an easy thing to transition to overnight. There's a reason why you see certain guys go to group of five schools as opposed to power five schools. So, um, you know, when they were under Steve Adazio, they went nine and four. But then they dropped to four and seven, which ended up getting Adazio fired. Um, then Matt Rule took over once again, like I said, uh, Mac to Big East was Adazio, and then Rule went Big East to AAC. So, huge jump there. Um, 
you know, they went two and 10 in his first season uh, with having a lot of guys from the group of five conference on roster and that level of talent, you can maximize and still not be as talented as these power five schools are. There's a reason why there's a, a pretty clear line for the most part. Um, you know, they, they showed that in the first season. It was not a very impressive season for them. Um, but in the second season, in the third, in the fourth season, you see what Rule really wanted the, the team to grow into, the tough athletic af, athletic team. So they went from 2-10 and 10 to 6-6, six and six, pretty good jump there, to 10-4 and four and 10-3. and three. And then Coach Foley took over in the bowl game, I believe, um, and unfortunately lost that game, but it is what it is there. Um, but then he took the Baylor job. And let's not forget that Coach Rule did have a choice here. He did have a choice to take the Oregon job. Um, but Coach Rule did take over the Baylor job that had won 10 games, four times, 10 plus games, excuse me, four times under Art Riles. Now, we know what happened at, at Baylor and how riddled with problems that and multiple scandals that that school was. There's a reason he got fired. It wasn't because he wasn't winning games because of everything else that was going on and losing institutional control over your players for the most part, letting, letting what happened happen, unfortunately. Um, you know, from there, after he got fired, uh, Jim Grobe took over for a year in Baylor uh, and ended up going seven and six. Then you get Matt Rule taking over. I believe he took over at Baylor, a school with 45 scholarship players, um, when he took over, and he had guys like Stidham that were committed under under the previous coaching staff that that left, um, ended up going to Auburn in Stidham's case. Um, Four-star prospect, huge, huge get at the time. They had a lot of talent leave for obvious reasons. Who wants to be around with what happens? Um, you know, they brought in over 30 guys, which that's a ton of new talent coming in. But getting these guys to match up and everything to sync perfectly, it's it's tough. And I don't mean this as a shot at anybody, but you bring in this many guys and expect it to go smoothly. You've seen it with Nebraska last year. Um, it 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 doesn't always go smoothly. You've got to get these guys meshing together, especially on the offensive side of the ball where timing is so key. Defense, you can get a little way away with a little bit more as long as you've got guys that are kind of learning within the scheme offense, you, you need timing, uh, especially on routes, you know, whether it be your quarterback and your wide receivers seeing the same things on check with me, or is this a man coverage as opposed to a zone? Do I throttle down different things like that? And that's, that's tough to get in a quick, quick time. Um, so with that being said, they bring in over 30 guys and they went from a seven and six team under Jim Grobe to a one and 11 team under Matt rule doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence but with that being said and taking everything i just said in, into account here it's tough to make that work um, you know everything that was going on with baylor around that time didn't seem they were seem like they were going to bounce back anytime soon and it seemed like that program was done for but under rule they went seven and six in year two and in year three eleven and three so they went from one and eleven to eleven and three so that being said, this is not Rule's first rebuilding job. Um, so that 
makes me feel pretty confident and comfortable with what we've got with him as a head coach. And, you know, Rule and staff have hinted that the main thing that the program has needed has been development. Um, it may not be immediate, but this program is the best set of, of circumstances that Rule has taken over in his career, in my opinion, and I don't think that's close. You know, you've got the administration has been nothing but supportive. You've got Trev, it seems like, always with Rule, and, you know, you always get photo ops of those two together. And having your AD and your head coach on the same page, the, that's huge. Um, you know, we've seen it with the previous, that that wasn't always the case. And just because you've got an athletic director and a head coach, um, that doesn't mean that they see eye to eye on everything. It does seem like Trev hired a guy in, in rule that fit and checked all the boxes that he wanted, which, hey, fingers crossed that it was the right move. Um, the fans will do anything to support this team and the program. We've seen that, you know, shown up through all the losing seasons. Um, just the amount of or the lack of success that fans have dealt with and players have dealt with but keep showing up. That should speak for itself there. Loyalty is a big thing with Nebraska, and you can tell. Um, Nebraska fans want this program to be successful. Nebraska fans want this program to not necessarily be a national title contender. Obviously, that would be phenomenal. But being respectful at this, being respectful at this time, um, getting to the point that Nebraska is not a laughing stock. I, I think that's that's the short term goal because I know a lot of fans, myself included. You know, Nebraska has been a laughing stock the last four years, especially. It it hasn't been great football, and and we we've seen that, but. Um, Based on some things that Coach Rule said, I think that's that's going to change and for the better. Um, you know, NIL funds are there uh, to get most big players interested. And, and while that's not the end-all, be-all reason, and it shouldn't be for where you pick a school, it's a nice little cherry on top for a recruit. If you're winning as a program, players want to come play for you because winners, you know, make it to the next level, and we've seen that. Um, I'm going to bring up two in particular. I know this is an extreme example, but I'm going to do it anyway. Alabama and Georgia, you see the level and clip at which they're winning and they're putting guys in the pros and, and you see that pipeline just restarting itself with the high school. You've got five stars all over the place. They develop these guys. So you take a five star and you make them, you, you maximize on that talent. That's what we're seeing at those schools. And that's why players want to play there. Um, you know, the, the facility upgrades are being done for the athletic department in general, um, getting things back to the top level, which is where they should be. But at the end of the day, winning makes things a lot better. And it, it minimizes a lot of things. Um, it's much easier to see when a cool, you know, it's much easier for a school like Nebraska to bounce back to where they were because they've been there previously. And that's another thing Coach Rule said. You know, it's not like Nebraska hasn't been to the mountaintop before. They've been there. I don't have to get them somewhere they've never been before. I just have to get them back there and figure out how to do that. Tradition uh, is something Nebraska's got on its side. And I really think I've, I've got some high expectations for the staff over the next few years on what they can do here. 
another thing from the the interview which i thought was great was one of my favorite things he mentions um was when a, a previous a school had a staff that was previously successful there he watched the film of what those staffs did and what concepts they ran and implemented them into his game plan to some degree you know blending what they wanted to do with what they had on roster plus what was successful in the different climates and regions previously. I think that's going to be key to this team being successful is how can he blend what they've got on roster with what they want to do in their head? You can't do a complete 180 switch going from a spread option to a flex bone option expected to be smooth and for obvious for many reasons. But one thing he brings up is in a perfect world, Nebraska this season will be running the ball 30 to 40 times a game, which that's phenomenal. I I think that with the way that the roster shapes up, uh, I I think many, many of those carries should and could be coming from the running back position and hopefully not many coming from the quarterback position as designed runs. Um, You know, I do like that they want to be multiple. and We've heard that from previous coaching staffs. They want to be multiple and, and, you know, they don't want to line up in the I formation 30 or, you know, 80 times a game, but they also don't want to go to a, a, an air raid offense either. You know, they want to um, run out of the eye. They want to be able to go to more spread concepts and take advantage of the athletes that they've got not only on the edges, but in the backfield and at the tight end spot, you know, and with them the mixing in that running game, taking those deep shots down the field, but they've got to be calculated shots. You've got a quarterback that's got a big arm in Jeff Sims. He's got to be able to hit those shots down the field to keep the defense honest. So I'm going to be interested in based on things that, the you know, have been traditionally successful here at Nebraska. I want to see what Coach Rule can do with what's been successful here previously. You know, in my opinion, that's heavy run game. You've got a, a staunch uh, defense that is attacking. That's that's another thing that I think we've been really missing, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is just attacking the offense, not letting the offense dictate to the defense terms. In fact, you know, getting after it with having edge rushers and having guys just being able to wreck shop in the backfield, tackles for loss, um, and and sacks. I believe uh, Coach Rule put a number on it. If you get 40 sacks in a year, you should win 10 games. I, I, I really feel like he's on to something there. And I feel like with the 3-3-5 three, three, defense that we've seen in the spring now, obviously it was just a practice, but they look pretty fast out there. They've got a lot of young talent on the field, a lot of transfer guys in. But as I said earlier, when you've got transfer guys on the defensive side of the ball, a little bit easier than the offensive side of the ball to kind of have everybody learn their place and where everyone needs to be. So there's talented guys in Lincoln uh, who I believe weren't always put in the best spots under the previous staffs to succeed. So I'm going to be really interested to see what this staff can do with a lot of the guys that they've got down there. So um, let's bump on to our next topic because it's a big one. We've got the elephant in the war room with Casey Thompson transferring out of the program as of Friday. Um, you know, there's 
to say, I, I'll be honest, I thought it was a little bit of a joke at first. And and I've been very honest and upfront that I wasn't a big fan of um, Casey Thompson when he transferred in. I didn't feel like it gave much. But with the quarterback situation that was on roster last year that we had seen play out, he was by far the best guy they got in the room. And, you know, I ended up, I gained a, a shit ton of respect for Thompson by the end of the year. The dude was tough as hell took a beating and, and really just kept throwing the ball. Um, I, I really don't know what else to say other than that, but Thompson, Thompson's a gamer. Um, you know, he, he got dinged up quite a bit last year. Didn't help with the, the way the team was situated at the time, but you know, quarterback transfer uh, from Georgia tech, Jeff Sims, it seems like at this point's QB one. I'm not mad at it. I thought when he, he was brought in this offseason as a, as a transfer, it does seem like what it, it seems like it fits what Rule and Satterfield want to do with having a guy who can pick up a third and five with his arm or his legs. You know, the the RPO offense is is one that they've been running for years, so it's nothing new, or and it's not. I don't want to say it's not innovative, but there, there's different components to it. Um, you know, also with, with Sims' ability to run the ball, it does make the defense pay, play 11 on 11. That's a skill set that I don't believe that Thompson possessed, at least not the, to the degree that Sims will. You know, Sims' completion percentage, now this is getting into him as a passer a little bit. I don't believe he's ever completed a full season as a passer, staying healthy, or at least playing in every game. Uh, you know, his completion percentage went from 54.9 in 2020, that was the COVID season, to 60.1 in 2021. So it's a pretty good size jump there, you know, almost a five plus point per uh, jump. But here's the problem. You go from 60.1 in 2021 to 58.5 in 2022. So he threw the exact same number of passes, just completed three less of them. I believe he completed 113 in 21 and 110 in 22. So uh, only appeared in seven games as well. But here's kind of another magic number. Um, If you can get your quarterback to about 65%, 65 to 70%, you feel really, really good about where you're at. Now, here's a reference point. And here's another reason I won't completely say that Thompson, um, Thompson's a big loss. Let's, let's, let's be honest here. And here's part of the reason why. Casey Thompson last season completed 63.1% of his passes. That's, you know, he's about 2% off where you want to be for completion percentage, ideally. Sims is going to have to grow quite a bit, almost jump in 7 8% in his completion percentage to really be that effective passer. For you know, if if he throws 25 passes, he's going to need to complete somewhere in the range of 17 to 19 to be where you want him and feel really really good. He's got some flaws, but he's definitely got some perks. One of the big things is mechanics. Uh you've got a quarterback that I'll, I'll get into kind of the break down a little bit of his career in a few minutes here. But when you've got a guy going from the offense set, uh, a a triple option to a spread makes it tough getting everything on roster there switched over. He's going to have to work though. He's got to be, I don't want to say he's got to be perfect with it, with his mechanics, 
but he's going to have to tighten things up quite a bit. It looked like his throwing motion was a little bit shorter than it was at Georgia Tech. He's got the feet underneath him, but he can't stay healthy. So I don't want to see this guy taking a ton of shots. I love Sims for what he brings to the table. Um, you know, he was recruited by first-year head coach Jeff Collins to Georgia Tech. And that was a team that needed to be completely retooled because they ran that triple option or flex bone offense under former Navy head coach Paul Johnson. They ran it for 11 years. 11 years of flex bone, then bumping to spread. There's not a school in, in the country that would be able to make that transition in one year and have great results. It just doesn't happen. And vice versa, if you've got a spread team going to a triple option or a flex bone, there's no way it'll be successful. You've got to do something to kind of mesh what you've got there. When you're completely retooling an, an offense and, and a roster, it's tough to do. But the record is what it is. You know, um, they went three and nine. He threw 13 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. So it's not great there. When, when your touchdowns and your INT, are equal, not awesome. But he was the first freshman quarterback to play in the season opener since 2003, which would be Reggie Ball. And he was the first freshman quarterback to win a season opener. So um, that's what that was season one. Season two, he cut his picks in half. Uh, he only threw in seven while throwing 12 touchdowns. So, you know, the touchdowns went down, but turnovers went way down, which is great. That's it. That's what you want. Um, but once again, didn't finish the season. And he was also a part-time starter sharing the job with freshman Jordan Yates, only played in eight games. A little bit of a concern and something that you kind of see as a pattern. You're hoping if there's an offensive line in front of him, he's not super, he's not as delicate as the past seasons have showed us. You just don't want your quarterback taking those kind of shots. Um, season three was another injury shortened season. You know, he won three games losing four before jumping into the portal. Now into the portal, comes to Nebraska. Um, and, and, you know, with, with Thompson transferring out, seems to be QB1. Um, you know, one thing about Casey Thompson is it just felt like, how do I want to put this? It just felt like not being able to fully practice and throw the ball to his receivers as opposed to just going through the motions, it, it felt like he was at a serious disadvantage the entire offseason just due to the shoulder surgery he had. You hate to see the competition go away because of that, but um, here's the thing. If you compare the quarterbacks, I think both can sling the ball pretty damn good. I think Casey Thompson has a bit more touch on his passes. Well, I think uh, Jeff Sims has a stronger arm that he can fit the ball into some tight spots. But in RPO offense, you'd like your quarterback to be able to rush the ball if, if needed, um, just to give that added element of quarterback run game. Now, I have been very, very dead set on the number of design quarterback runs that this team should have. And I can't, just due to the amount of injuries that Nebraska's had the last few years, and while I am an Eagles fan and, and Jalen Hurts has been a tremendous quarterback, every time he runs out of the pocket, I hold my breath. Just because you're one big shot away from, uh, you know, some a game 
injury, you know, a season ending injury, different things like that, that can audible the season. But I don't want to see that quarterback on designed runs between more than four to eight at the absolute most. Now, Sims is a big bodied quarterback. He's about six foot three, about 220 ish. He, he's a little bit frail. I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the room. Um, so you don't want him to constantly take a beating and constantly take shots because he hasn't finished the season. I like my quarterbacks to have the ability to run out of out of trouble and to get out of bad situations, but I definitely want to see the passing game really take a step up this year to take pressure off the run game. I feel like if they can get that intermediate to deep or just hit on some of those shots deep, you're losing Trey Palmer, but you are getting Billy Kemp. I think Billy Kemp is going to be great in the short to intermediate game. You know, he, he does have some good speed. I just don't see him as, as a field stretcher like Trey Palmer was. But Trey Palmer had one-of-a-kind contract speed. We do got guys that are true freshmen coming in that have that speed as well. And, uh, you know, after what we've seen in spring, I find it harder and harder to believe that we're not going to see at least one of those guys out there this fall. And I think Drake was right about it. I, I think it might be Malachi with – kind of what this team needs um, and, and his body type and developing so much over the last year or so. I, I think it might be Malachi that steps on the field as a good field stretcher here. Um, as far as Thompson goes, I, I feel like he'd be a great fit in a more wide open offense that really doesn't depend so much on the quarterback running the ball. And instead he can just kind of tr- drop back, um, pick the field apart, kind of be a field surgeon. And, and throw the ball as opposed to what it seems like the quarterback may be asked to do this season. Part of the reason is, is that's, that's one reason I think Harburg um, may be a bigger package quarterback than anything with his size, about six, five, I believe he's about two forty ish was what I thought the numbers. Um, he may be a little bit more of a kind of battering Ram Tim Tebow kind of quarterback this season to take some of the pressure off of Jeff Sims as, as a runner. Can Jeff Sims run? Yeah, we've seen it in the spring game. When the play breaks down, he can get you the yardage you need. I want to see him do it consistently through the air, though. Now, it did look like from the practice tape that Casey Thompson released um, that he can still throw the ball with some pretty good velocity. And he, I believe he's getting hosted by Auburn. Um, he's got some other ones as well. There, there's going to be a lot of teams I would imagine be interested in his services with the amount of starts he's got under his belt. I believe the staff has been 100% honest with players across the board um, and kind of where they stand with roster spots and different things with with after spring pass and just kind of letting go, guys know what to expect and where they are. Um, I think that's a huge thing as far as relationship building goes. It, it, it's not easy to tell guys some of these things, but sometimes you just got to be blunt and honest. And that's one thing that I think the staff has done a great job of. Here's something I want to end with tonight because I did a little bit of looking into this and we well know Nebraska's roster the last few seasons has been putrid to say the least. Uh, it has not been remotely close to expectations and I don't think any of us have been happy with it. Hence the reason there was a coaching change. 
So one thing that Coach Rule brought up was Nebraska's been to the mountaintop before. And, you know, he would not have taken the job if he did not think Nebraska could be in the playoff within the next five years. It makes sense. That's what you want to hear, which means you need a top fifth or a top 12 team to get to the playoffs. Um, every big blue blood program has had at least a stretch of, we're going to say, rough play, inconsistency bad coaching hires, poor development, and basically getting away what got them to where they were going to be at at a high level. Um, and and they may not have hit the low lows that Nebraska did, but just for reference, here are some of the schools. You've got Oklahoma from 89 to 98. So in 89, 7 and 4, then 8 and 3, 9 and 3. Those are really good records. I'm not going to say anything about those. But you'll start to see dips here. Five, four, and two, nine and three, six and six, five, five, and one, three and eight, four and eight, five and six. So you'll notice that at that second part, you, you, your high point was a six and six. After 93, so 94 to 98, your high point was six and six. Just shows you that if you make the right hire, like they did with Bob Stoops, and then the transition to Riley. If you make the right hire, good things can happen. Next one I'm going to bump to is Alabama. So Alabama still won 10 games three times in this stretch, but they went starting in 97. 97, they went 4-7, and 7-5, seven, seven and 10-3. and three. Once again, only one really bad record there. Then you get a 3-8, and 7-5, 10-3. So you notice it's like a three-year build every time. Um, then you've got in 03, you've got 4-9, and 6-6, 10-2, and then you've got a 6-7. and seven. After that, um, Coach uh, Nick Saban was brought on to Coach Alabama to the high highs they are at. So once again, you don't see a lot. You, you see some low seasons. Um, Nebraska, a little bit closer to what Oklahoma was a few of those years, especially at the tail end than anything. But now I'm going to bring some um, Big Ten blood here. You, we've got Michigan here. Remember, 08 to 14. They went 3-9, and 5-7. Seven and six and eleven and two. Once again, as they build at, at, at the end of Rich Rod into Brady Hoke, going seven and six and eleven and two, great record. But then you'll notice that eleven and two is Brady Hoke's high. He went eleven and two, eight and five, seven and six, five and seven. Once again, a lot higher than Nebraska's lows, but just for comparison purposes, you can see that all schools go to this. I'm gonna finish up with two more. We've got Ohio State. Ohio State from 87 to 92 went 6 4 and 1, 4 6 and 1, 8 and 4, 7 4 1, 8 and 4, and 8 3 and 1. So, once again, not the lows, but not what a traditional Ohio State standard should be. And then I'm going to finish up with Notre Dame here because Notre Dame to me is one of those programs that's it's, it's a nationally revered program. Say what you will about them. But even through a ton of inconsistencies, they ended up, I mean, still one of the biggest fan bases in the country. So let's go and get started with them. Starting in 94, you went 6, 5, and 1, 9, and 3, 8, and 3, 7, and 6, 9, and 3, 5, and 7, 9, and 3, 5, and 6, and 10, and 3. So really you've got, I would say, maybe two bad seasons in there that are really low points. For Notre Dame, though, and the expectation, I feel like those should have been higher. It's just kind of picking and choosing here, but now you can kind of see 
going from 03 to 11, a few more gaps. 5 and 7, 6 and 6, 9 and 3, 10 and 3. Not a bad stretch there. You know, it shows that they were kind of building, especially under Weiss. Uh, they had one, two good seasons. Technically, you'd say three seasons above 500, but one terrible season. So in 07 on, it's pretty much when you've seen a big jump, drop off. In, in 07, they went 3 and 9, 7 and 6, 6 and 6, 8 and 5, 8 and 5. Depends what you say the standards are, but to me, for a national title contender as they are now, which I believe all of these schools are that I mentioned, all national title contenders, you've got these programs that had to go through their, their lulls. Um, you've got programs that made bad hires. You've got programs that, while they still accumulated a lot of very good talent, didn't put that talent in the correct position to win. And it could have just been a bad head coach with a bad, or, you know, a bad fit at the time. I think if a lot of those schools can bounce back, and actually it's funny, I, I actually remember watching Alabama that last season um, before Saban was hired, and you hear growing up about Alabama, the you know the big bad football giant, and the lows that they fell to. Is, okay, as a Nebraska fan, I can now appreciate how those little, you know those lows feel. I think Nebraska has bottomed out harder than most blue blood programs have but i believe they've got a guy in rule after everything i've heard him say and and all the speaking and just the 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 caliber of players that they're bringing in i do feel like things are on the upturn you know this season I, i wouldn't say you should expect 10 wins or anything like that but i feel like you should see a lot of development as the season goes on and even getting from spring to fall, uh, I'm going to be excited to see how much this team can, um, how much better this team can get and just how much better they can get at the process and, and you know, not cheating the process. Just get going out there, getting 1% better every day. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm excited. You know, that was a tremendous interview. Once again, if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. It's only about 25 minutes, so it's pretty short. But, uh, you know, Coach Rule brings up a lot of really good points that I think a lot of us have wanted to hear for quite some time. Um, So I I think that's about it, everybody, for tonight. Um, Thanks for joining me here on Church of the Corn. I had to get a lot of that off my chest just because um, I listened to that radio or that interview earlier and it really got me thinking about Coach Rule and what they're doing down there. So I'm excited to see it. Um, so uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and listening. Um, appreciate it. Uh, for Zach here on Church of the Corn, have a great night, everybody, and we will talk to you later. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid-filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red. A Herd at Sports Network production.